Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kurt Crosby live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network refused to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for December the 2nd in the year of our Lord 2019. This is our one of two. Our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law, the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. One of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips, as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Wow, have we been gone for quite a while. I was out for the last six days. Last broadcast, believe it or not, was last last Saturday. So not two days ago Saturday, but like, you know, nine days ago. Uh, six days off the air. We did some tremendous rebroadcasts of some previous incredible award-winning shows with some incredible guests. You say, Sam, why were you out so long? I can't remember a time in the last 25 plus years we've been on the radio that we've taken such a long break. I really can't. Even sometimes when we've been out of town, we've done some live broadcasts and things like that. But in this case, uh, everybody that I deal with was out for various reasons. Um, primarily, my reason was my son got married. So I've got eight children. My fourth child got married. So I've got four kids married now. I guess four to go if you look at it that way. Uh, anyway, and they got married in Arizona. So we had to do a road trip down to mesa arizona and uh, help with the wedding and all that kind of stuff and just by the the way the timing worked and everything else we needed to be gone for quite a bit and so the point is all my whole family was with me usually people running the uh, boards when i'm out of town taking care of the things on the local side are available and this time of course they weren't so we had to take such a long break and i'm not saying we've never taken a break this long but it's been rare 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 (laughs) indeed uh, anyway, I digress, except to tell you thanks for your patience. Hopefully some of the rebroadcasts were tremendous. Uh, and news the networks refused to use starts now. How's that? A quick recap, though, believe it or not, of the nine-day-old broadcast, which I think is still as relevant as all get out. We interviewed a man. He's a New Hampshire state representative named Al Baldassaro. And Al Baldassaro is an interesting character. <clears throat> he was in the Marines. So he's a veteran. And he sits on President Trump's veterans board if you will uh, on a committee there helping the veterans like donald trump promised to do well believe it or not al was doing fine helping on the veterans board he is a vet and then believe it or not al baldassaro got cancer himself twice and his apparent recovery and successful treatment were a testimony to the changes to the Veterans Choice Program that Donald Trump signed into law last year. So Donald Trump promised to take care of the vets. Believe it or not, Al was on the committee to write everything. The poor guy gets cancer. And the very legislative you know, guidance and support that Donald Trump signed into law uh, that he wrote or helped write, he was able to use. Tremendous stuff. Anyway, a great testimony from Al Baldassaro that, hey, things aren't perfect for the vets, but they're way better than the mainstream press is telling you. I mean, this guy writes the, the legislative reality to, to make the changes. Donald Trump signs it into law. Uh, and, and before you know it, <clears throat> this guy needs the very help that he wrote. And 
He said it worked out quite well, and he's alive today because of it. What an interesting story to tell. The mainstream press won't tell you that story, but Liberty Roundtable Live will. By the way, almost 30% of all U.S. Circuit judges are now Trumps, so we better start to see some sea change uh, in the judges' decisions. Are they going to be activists and belligerent for the bench? Are they going to stand with the Constitution, stand with the checks and balances, and stand with the rule of law? Only time will tell. Donald Trump said Obama was the founder of ISIS. Uh, and Al Baldassaro agreed that that is true, that Obama and Hillary are the founder and co-founders of ISIS, and they need to stop it. We need to back out of a lot of these foreign wars. Interesting for a vet to say, huh? By the way, Donald Trump has grounds to say and to complain about the circumstances of the Obama $1.7 billion cash transaction that went through all kinds of foreign nations to the Iraqis. What are we sending all kinds of money there for, huh? Anyway, Al Baldassaro brought up a final point, and I don't want to spend too much time on this interview because it, it was nine days old, or it is nine days old now. However, there's some things that I just got to bring up. One of them is that uh, Al Baldassaro brought up, he said, hey, I want to know if your listeners are aware of the health insurance tax. It's called HIT, right? Health insurance tax HIT. And believe it or not, it's a $100 billion plus sales tax on health insurance that hits nearly everyone, increasing the cost of health insurances for small businesses, individuals, seniors, businesses, states, not to mention taxpayers. Did you know about HIT? Are you aware of HIT? If you're not, you best study it because Al Baldassaro claims it is a train wreck of coming. And the mainstream press not telling you anything about it. But beware of hit. It's coming. Now, if you don't have health insurance, it probably won't affect you as much as others. But it's brutal. We also talked about the head of Chick-fil-A, not Dan Caffey. But he gave to Obama and Hillary. And now they're starting to adopt the language and infrastructure of <clears throat> the gay and lesbian, bisexual, transgender. I pray that doesn't continue to happen at Chick-fil-A. Time will tell. A lot of people are very critical of it, including Matt Staver, chairman of the nonprofit legal group, Legal Council, or Liberty Council. He said that Graham, who's defending Chick-fil-A, should dig a little deeper. Franklin, quote, you have done a disservice by not doing more investigation into the Chick-fil-A betrayal and capitulation of the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender agenda, Matt Staver says. To save its own corporate skin, Chick-fil-A has thrown good. Biblical organizations under the bus and capitulated to gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender activists. They've legitimized the false narrative there, says Matt Staver. Well, I don't know how to respond to that because I have a lot of respect for Matt Staver. And you know what? I hate to say it, but Matt Staver might be correct on this one, folks. I'm trying to learn more about what's really going on here. I don't want to sh throw Chick-fil-A under the bus, but at the same time, I don't want to defend them when I'm wrong. And you know what? It's a tough balance. I don't know if they've caved or not. There's nothing wrong with being kind. But when do we capitulate? When do we not stand up when we should? I mean, the list goes on. We'll get into that next hour with Dr. Scott Bradley. How about that? In the meantime... News the networks refuse to use starts now. Kirk Crosby's with me. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Buenos dias. Greetings and salutations. Howdy, howdy, howdy. 
Thank you, Sam. You're very welcome. Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org, riding shotgun today. Welcome back, sir. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. It's good to be with you. All right. I call this guy Evil Patrick, but that's not his name. It's Deval Patrick, right? <laughs> Deval. Yeah, Deval Patrick. Deval Patrick. All right. Anyway, I call him Evil Patrick. This guy's a nutcase. Uh, nevertheless, he gets a pass. Now, this guy was what, a governor, right? Yep, governor of uh, Massachusetts. Right after Mitt Romney served four years, this guy served eight. Yeah, so you got Mitt and then this nutcase, and I'm not surprised they haven't even completely destroyed Massachusetts, but they're working on it. And this guy's been involved in all kinds of scandals, and now he's running for president, right? It's an incredible story, Sam. He is uh, running for president, and they're trying to get the nomination from the Democrat Party. But, uh, and he's touted really as a centrist, and in fact, Barack Obama's favorite candidate, if you can believe that. But he's surrounded by scandals, two big scandals. And my hope, Sam, is that the scandals sink his ship. Now, let me just stop you there and make a clear point yeah. that people need to realize, and this is the reason we bring it up. There are only scandals that people know about it. Otherwise, they're missteps and dishonest misdeeds for sure, but they're not a scandal because if nobody knows, nobody cares, right? Yeah, good point. And I'm not trying to be belligerent with that point or you know, ignore the gravity of the situation, but I'm trying to get across the second point, which is, one, this guy has done these evil, wrong, dishonest, immoral things. Uh, but secondly, um, nobody's really reported on it. When I say nobody, I mean the mainstream press. And people don't really realize these scandals uh, even erupted and or exist in his role in those scandals. we got to make sure both are true. One, that we expose the evil that he's done. And then two, that we create accountability. And that's what this is about. And that's where the mainstream press has failed us miserably, sir. Right. And it's appropriate to discuss it now because he announced his candidacy just a week ago. And he's responsible for some disastrous cover-ups. Uh, the first one we'll talk about at the federal level. The second one we'll talk about at the state level there in Massachusetts, where he's governor, was governor. But the first one at the federal level, Sam, is, about, is, is uh, it has to do with the Randy Weaver case. And, you know, some of our younger listeners may not be familiar with that case. Um, and so we probably ought to outline just a little bit about it. I mean, the Weavers were in Idaho, and they were, uh, I guess, I guess they tricked him into selling some sawed-off shotguns to some FBI, and, you know, agents posing as, as, you know, just normal dudes. And uh, then they, and then they decided, well, we need to go uh, take him out and arrest him or something, they, which they could have done easily when he was in town. But they waited until he, you know, went back to his mountain cabin, which they called a compound or a retreat or whatever, to to, to spin the story so that uh, the, the U.S. Marshals and the FBI could climb into the mountains and start shooting at these guys. And they had they had permission to shoot on sight, right? I mean, when have you ever heard that? I mean, there's very few cases where the law enforcement police get the uh, permission, I guess, license to kill, to shoot on sight. You know, anybody having to do with Randy and his family. Yeah, the only time I know that's ever happened is to the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, when they were uh, given an extermination order by Governor Boggs back in the 1800s up in Missouri. I don't know that Good that's point. happened at least on any broad scale since then, to be honest with you. Good point. Hadn't thought about that. Man, the Indians and the blacks got off easy, didn't they? All right, quick pause, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman, Lowell Nelson, Kurt Crosby. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable, and we are absolutely live. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? 
Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Talk Right, the conservative app offered by TalkStream Live that caters exclusively to the conservative talk radio community. Here you'll see only talk shows and podcasts from the conservative right, all the big broadcast names and online digital shows in one place. Talk Right makes it easy to find all your favorite conservative talkers with all the upscale features you come to expect from TalkStream Live. Keep up with the fast-paced political world. Download Talk Right today from Google Play or the App Store. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, and we're talking about this incredible article written by James Dofford, Scandals That Presidential Candidate Deval Patrick Should Not Be Able to Shake. The first one is national, and it's basically about Randy Weaver, believe it or not, if you don't know about that story. Randy was a separatist. He wanted to be left alone. They say he was a white nationalist, not even close to true at all. Anyway, he lived with his family in Idaho. He lived very secluded, up on a mountain, just wanted to be left alone, didn't cause anybody any trouble. They literally used government agents to entrap Randy Weaver. They literally murdered his wife in cold blood with a baby in her arms. She was unarmed, by the way. Uh, and this scandal uh, really literally cost the taxpayers millions of dollars, not only in the investigation and the scandal and the cover-up and the, uh, eventually government admits wrongdoing, not literally, they wouldn't admit wrongdoing, but they paid out a sum, which in my opinion codifies wrongdoing big time. We the people had to pay the piper on that one, sad to say. Randy Weaver's wife and son are dead. Randy suffers and has suffered for a long time over this hostile, evil scandal. Most folks don't know about it. The summary is, though, that they tricked him, they entrapped him. They wanted him to do the government bidding to entrap other people. He wouldn't do it. The payback was brutal. Uh, and his wife is murdered, literally with a baby in her arms, unarmed, cold blood, murder. Well, Deval Patrick at the center of it, huh, Lol? He certainly was, Sam. He was the assistant attorney general for civil rights during the Clinton administration when all this came down. Shortly before Clinton won the 1993 election is when Sammy Weaver was killed and, and Randy Weaver's wife was killed. Um, and uh, the Idaho jury found Weaver not guilty on almost all charges, 
And, um, and, and so then the FBI and the Justice Department officials, they compiled a 542-page report detailing federal misconduct and cover-up. They suggested criminal charges against FBI officials involved in Ruby Ridge and so forth. 542 pages, Sam. And uh, what did Patrick do with them? He rejected the task force's recommendation, instead ruling that the FBI sniper who killed Vicki Weaver had not used excessive force and did not intend to violate her civil rights. Nevertheless, it came out in that report that that excessive force was virtually mandated. It's exactly right. Basically, the FBI, there was one FBI SWAT team member at Ruby Ridge who recalled the rules of engagement as this. If you see them, shoot them. That was the rules of engagement that he that he remembered from his, his work there in Ruby Ridge. And so the report condemned that rule as practically a license to kill that flagrantly violated the U.S. Constitution. But what did Patrick do? He buried that thing. Didn't, 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 uh, uh, accept the report, didn't take the recommendations of the, of the, of the committee report. And, and frankly, at the end of the day, he didn't hold anybody accountable whatsoever. Lon Horiuchi, the murderer, the government sniper, scot-free. No accountability whatsoever. Neither were all the other players, including, um, well, uh, state officials and federal officials, right? Exactly. Now, if Patrick had accepted the task force's recommendation and permitted the prosecution of these federal agents, these killers, these murderers, then the Weaver case might not have swayed so many Americans to believe that FBI agents can kill gun owners with impunity, right? When FBI snipers swarmed on the scene of the Bundy Ranch five years ago, well, memories of Ruby Ridge spurred legions of gun-toting activists to race to the scene to help protect the Bundy family, right? That wouldn't have happened really, if Patrick had accepted the task force's recommendations and held, uh, held those FBI and U.S. Marshals uh, agents accountable, because it probably, you know, the BLM and others involved in the Bundy Ranch siege would probably wouldn't have had the guts or the courage to, 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 uh, to actually do the siege. Well, and fast forward, Bundy case, Bundy guilty of nothing, loses two years of his life to jail at the end of the day. The government was the corrupt one. Ammon Bundy with no charges against him. Uh, the jury saw the truth. The judge realized the criminal activity of the federal government, called him on the carpet, dismissed uh, the case. And now what we have is the government literally lied again and covered their tracks. They lied on the stand. They uh, withhold, what do they call that, exculpatory evidence? They uh, And all this, okay, and we found out the government did the same thing literally to uh, Ammon Bundy that they did Randy Weaver. Now, sadly, the only person dead uh, in that one is not Ammon, who actually is free, but he lost two years of his life. It's Lavoy Finicum. But either way, again, they created a trap. We can't trust the government. They lied. They manipulated evidence. We don't even have the whole truth on that one at all, and we're not likely to get it. So bottom line, folks, we don't want someone like Deval Patrick in government or in law enforcement, period. Simply, I shouldn't even get close to the presidency. And I hope, I hope the Democrats don't give him much of a chance. Amen. But if that federal case isn't enough for you. <laughs> Here's the state case. So in July of 2006, the year Patrick became the governor of Massachusetts, you know, he was out there on the campaign trail beating the drum saying, warehousing nonviolent offenders is a costly policy failure, right? He proudly, proudly signed a bill 
that offered parole to a few hundred nonviolent drug offenders. Let, let's be but, correct for a second, though. He was spot on on that point. Right. Yeah, he said let's the right thing. Let's be clear. Thing. He said the right thing. He got elected, and then after he even signed a bill that signed uh, that offered parole to a few hundred nonviolent drug offenders. So far, so good. But despite his deceptive rhetoric, Massachusetts continued its war on vast numbers of people possessing prohibited substances, right? So you have to gauge his, his character by his actions. And he was the governor of Massachusetts, and Massachusetts continued to prosecute the war on drugs. And, and, and in fact, he opposed the decriminalization of cannabis there in the state of Massachusetts. Now, let's be very clear. We're not defending the use of drugs in any way. We're just telling you the war on drugs has been a deceptive, dishonest, money-grubbing failure. Uh, and they, on one hand, when they want to get elected, know this, highlight this. Two, when they get elected, they do the exact 100% opposite. And six years later, in, in 2012, Massachusetts State Lab chemist Annie Dukin was arrested for falsifying, get this, tens of thousands of drug tests. Very interesting. See, the Massachusetts Drug Convention, uh, drug Conviction Assembly Line, it relies on state lab to assess, you know, the narcotic, right, the, the, the alleged narcotic. And so they send these drugs that they, they seize to the lab for testing. Well, by, and, and so this gal had been doing falsifying drug tests for years. But this all came out in September of 2012. And, uh, you know, it, it, and always in favor, and she would falsify the drug test always in favor of the prosecution. And worse, when she was feeling especially helpful, she'd add bogus weight to a borderline sample, right? So, I mean, if, if, if like three ounces was the legal limit, she would add a little bit to make it like 3.1 ounces to make sure it was over the legal limit so that it was illegal. In other words, so she was very deceptive. She certified samples she received as illicit narcotics without even testing some of them. Well, when this all came out, there's Deval Patrick, governor of Massachusetts, saying, oh, Dukin, that's an isolated case. She's a rogue chemist, and uh, he promised to clean everything up and so forth. Well, five months after the Dukin scandal broke, another state lab chemist named Sonia Ferrack was arrested for tampering with evidence as well as for possessing heroin and cocaine. Well, here comes... But you got to ask yourself, too, why would these chemists be tampering with evidence? What advantage does a chemist have? My job is just to test it and find out the truth and find out the amount and follow the law and, and, and the, the levels and numbers. And Okay, I'm just a, a bean counter, so to speak, on the chemist side. Hey, what is it? How much of it is it? And, and document this stuff. What advantage do these uh, chemists have to create the scandal and fudge and manipulate the numbers? And the answer is, you got to follow the money trail and you got to follow the above orders they might get. I don't know that the average chemist would even have any reason to manipulate anything unless directed to do so. That's something that I'm not asserting as the fact. I am asserting, though, that you can't leave that stone unturned, Lowell. Yeah, that's a good point. They probably got kickbacks or they were ordered to do so on uh, threat of losing their job. Uh, but I'm saying we never even dug in to find out, right? Yeah, that has not been dug into. Well, but, but, but there was an investigation that in, in 2016 that found basically that it took four years for, you know, since the scandal broke in 2012, right? It wasn't until 
in 2016 that prosecutors even attempted to systematically notify the thousands and thousands of defendants that their convictions might have been won unfairly. And let's be clear, this is back not only, you could say it's been four years since the scandals broke, that's correct, but it's literally what, uh, 12 years, well no, 10 years since this guy got elected that's at the helm of it all. Yeah, he's in charge of the whole shebang, and there is more, this number is staggering, Sam, 61,000 drug convictions were eventually overturned because of state lab abuse. And then they lied and said it was just an anomaly, a rogue chemist, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Patrick Duvall for you, man. That's why I call the guy evil. Liberty Roundtable live in seconds. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. The U.S. House Intelligence Committee today is to start its review of its impeachment report before it likely votes along party lines to then send the matter to the Judiciary Committee, which would begin hearings on Wednesday. Meanwhile, the White House says President Trump and his lawyers will not be participating in the proceedings. Democratic Congresswoman and member of the Judiciary Committee, Val Demings, says the president should use this opportunity to defend himself. If he has not done anything wrong, we're certainly anxious to hear his explanation of that. Demings was speaking to NBC News. At least seven people dead from weather-related accidents over the course of the past few days. Some parts of New England could still see another foot of snow before it's over. It's Cyber Monday. Retailers are expecting a big jump in sales over last year. And this is USA Radio News. An official message from Medicare. It's open enrollment, Fred. Time to compare plans. Oh, Alice, we're fine with what we have. Well, that's what the Johnsons thought until they tried Medicare's new plan finder. The Johnsons, huh? We saved on our prescription costs. And got extra benefits. Come on, Fred, maybe we'll find something better. Plans change every year. Use the new plan finder at Medicare.gov to compare health and drug plans. Open enrollment ends December 7th. What do you know? Comparing plans really pays. Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-215-5141. 800-215-5141. That's 800-215-5141. President Trump is restoring tariffs on steel and aluminum shipped to the U.S. from Brazil and Argentina. He made the announcement this morning on Twitter after complaining that those two South American nations have been engaged in a massive devaluation of their currencies. He also said that's not good for American farmers. Montana Governor Steve Bullock is suspending his Democratic presidential campaign. Bullock was the only Democratic candidate in the field to carry a state that President Trump won in 2016. Another Democratic hopeful, former Pennsylvania Congressman Joe Seastack, dropped out of the race yesterday. President Trump will be flying to London today for this week's NATO summit. He's scheduled to meet one-on-one with a number of European leaders tomorrow and Wednesday. Two astronauts currently spacewalking outside the International Space Station. They're again working to repair a cosmic particle detector. And you're listening to USA 
Radio News. Lowell Nelson is such a great guest. He has so many topics to discuss, man. We're going to have to move along. Let's finish this up real quick, though. So, Devel Patrick, this guy is pretty evil, involved literally in supposedly the war on drugs, supposedly taking the side of the um, unjustly convicted, but yet, at the end of the day, involved in and part of a ton of scandals. And his statement that it's just a rogue chemist gone awry, but yet for four years they never even tell the victims of the scandal uh, that it's going on. Um, this is a continuing scandal, sad to say. And the most important issue is when these problems occur, it's one thing to have a problem occur, Lowell. It's another thing to cover it up. It's another thing to ignore it and minimize it and, and not really cop to it and create accountability. And that's what we're talking about here. We get that some people go rogue. Maybe the chemist did go rogue. But if, if you prove that by creating accountability, by prosecuting to the fullest extent of the law, those people, by, uh, truly apologizing and making it right. Um, those are the ways that we build confidence in our system. We know people aren't perfect. We know the systems aren't perfect, but we know the good guys need to take certain corrective actions. And if they don't, at some point, you got to say, there's more to this than meets the eye, to say the least. Well, that's a great point. You know, it wasn't until 2016 that uh, a judge came along and condemned two prosecutors in Massachusetts, overseeing the challenged convictions for their, quote, intentional, repeated, prolonged, and deceptive withholding of evidence from the defendant. So now you got chemists and prosecutors all having the same agenda? How? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the scandal breaks in 2012, and Deval Patrick promises to clean things up, but then for four more years, it takes them before they actually notify people that they've been wrongfully convicted and, 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 and prosecutors withhold evidence from them. Uh, it's just uh, 61,000 drug convictions, Sam, were eventually overturned. 61,000. Yeah, how many of those people have their lives back? Randy Weaver's situation was kind of overturned, but his wife and son are dead. Uh, Ammon Bundy's case was kind of stopped because of the abuse and evil of government, but yet he lost two years of his life. Lavoy Finnicum's dead. None of these things need to happen, but it's out of control over-the-top, extreme, dishonest, immoral government uh, at the helm. Now, I'm not saying throw government out. What I'm saying is we need to put good people in office. We need to create accountability. And until we do, this is going to nothing but expand and get worse. Exactly right, Sam. And I'm here to say that if Patrick Duvall had actually held accountable the FBI snipers and U.S. Marshals that killed uh, Randy Weaver's wife and that killed Sammy Weaver, his boy, then we may not have had a Lavoy Finicum event to, uh, you know, just a couple of years ago. We may not have had the Bundy Ranch standoff. We may not have had some of these incredibly unjust uh, cases to deal with. You know, we just need to hold people accountable for their, their unlawful behavior. That's really the bottom line. And, of course, Patrick, uh, Deval Patrick is not the man to do that. He doesn't hold anybody accountable. He just promises the world and then continues to do the dirty work of corrupt government. But I do got good news, ladies and gentlemen. There are good news despite all the scandals going on. We don't want to just go negative all the time. There's a lot of good in America. <laughs> America is still the greatest country on the face of the earth. You and I just got to make sure that we keep it that way. South Carolina doing a phenomenal job. I hope they're successful in their quest. 
Well, me too. Joel Wolverton posted this article in the New American just last week. There's a representative in the state of South Carolina who has filed a bill that would um, make gold and silver legal tender again in the state of South Carolina. His name is Stuart Jones, Representative Stuart Jones. And, uh, you know, this is something that Utah has done um, in 2011, 2012, and 2014, three different uh, years when good law was passed. And today, gold and silver coin is legal here in the state of Utah. You don't have a, a, a capital gains tax just because you happen to trade silver and gold for products and services. And, uh, you know, so South Carolina is on that, that pathway. Uh, Oklahoma and Arizona already have followed Utah's example. So we have at least three states now where gold and silver is legal. You know, gold and silver coin is legal again. And South Carolina might be the fourth state to make this important step uh, toward legalizing gold and silver coin. And we pray for them in their quest, and we urge citizens of South Carolina to support this bill put in place by Representative Stuart Jones. Do what Utah has done and what other states are doing. Make gold and silver currency once again. It is really currency. It's dishonest that it's not. Uh, the real supreme law says it's currency. It's just that there's been perverted laws that have literally upended, circumvented the Constitution. we got to stop that in America. And good for the folks in South Carolina, lol. Absolutely, Sam. And somewhat related to this is another little tiny story about insects. You know, we discussed this uh, this thing called insects back in July of this year, just, I don't know, several months ago. It's the European Instrument in Support of Trade Exchanges. Now, why would this at all be related to, you know, gold and silver coin in South Carolina? Well, it's because insects is a tool set up to help trade with Iran, which is under U.S. sanctions. In other words, the United States has sanctions imposed on Iran and other countries that trade for oil with Iran, like Germany, UK, Romania, and all of these, you know, the Scandinavian countries, they they buy, they would love to buy their oil from Iran, but because of these sanctions, they they can't do it. They can't use, you know, the World Bank trading mechanism to trade their dollar their 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 their, uh, their dollars for Iran's oil because the U.S has these sanctions on Iran. Well, so Insects comes along, and basically it's a barter system uh, set up by the Europeans a year ago to permit trading with Iran without any actual money transfers. Something like a barter system based on balancing payments by value, right? And so if you're like in uh, Netherlands, and you have potatoes and onions to sell, they grow great vegetables there, by the way, fantastic stuff, and they want to trade those vegetables to Iran in exchange for oil from Iran, they don't have to use U.S. dollars to do that if they use insects. And so, this and let me stop is, you. Even if they wanted a U.S. dollars, they might be prohibited from doing so. So they've yeah. devised this other plan in an effort to circumvent that and do what needs to be done in their regions. Exactly right. And the reason I bring this up, Sam, is because you know we reported on it back in July in the summertime, and we said that this kind of is a signal that the status of the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency is beginning to fade. It's beginning to crumble. It's under, this insect is undermining the dollar, the, he, the, the petrodollar hegemony, which is now being enforced 
around the world by the U.S. military, being enforced in Venezuela, in Iraq, Iran, uh, Libya, you know, a number of these places around the... And sadly, they seem to be as corrupt internationally as they are domestically. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so that's the connection between, you know, the gold and silver in South Carolina, meaning a move toward sound and honest money, and index and the world stage is a move away from the fiat U.S. dollar toward a barter system, which is actual valuable commodity trading. Very interesting, Sam. Ladies and gentlemen, let's be very clear. It is morally wrong for the United States to enforce the petrodollar hegemony around the world. Okay? If these nations want to trade with Iran for oil, they should be free to do so. All right? Without coercion from the United States. And that's the sad part. I'm not here to down the greatest country on the face of the earth. But I am here to stand against when they're doing wrong. And right now, they're doing wrong. We have no right to force a fake currency uh, in the middle of all their trade. We also have no authority to determine that, hey, they're evil, and therefore, hey, nobody can trade with them. Each company can assess how they feel and how they want to interact individually as sovereigns, just as we should be able to. But when we create this hegemony or we call the shots and you know decide the fate of everyone everywhere, at some point, the blowback will be horrendous. Okay, it is morally wrong and it needs to be stopped. And we act like we have the moral high ground. It's an absolute perverted lie. Right. And I think your point is is well taken, Sam, that the United States was founded on the principles of liberty. And those principles uh, should be enshrined and held sacred by all people everywhere. The principles of life, liberty and property, the freedom to to move about, the, the agency and so forth that God gave us. I mean, those are the principles that make a, a country great. And, and that we, we do reverence those principles. What we're saying is that there are administrators in government positions, officials of this country, of our country, and, and, and in fact of, of most countries around the world, who are corrupt. And they do corrupt things. And enforcing the petrodollar hegemony around the world is one of those corrupt things. Now, let's be clear what we're saying as well. If a country determines that they want to trade for oil because they need the oil, and they want to trade with Iran, and they believe that, you know what, war isn't the answer, isolation isn't the answer, let's work with them and see if we can convince them to behave and act a little better, and they choose that route, should they be sovereign to do so? Isn't that what we choose around the world also? Do we accept sovereignty for others as we hope for ourselves? Interesting questions, huh? Do we reflect about our future and where we as a culture are moving? Do we keep our trust in our jobs, homes, money, life necessities, investments, stock markets? Do we believe that our 401ks or other retirements will always be there and that the current economic order will recover? Is the economy going to recover and life return to normal? It ain't gonna happen by a friend of Medjugorje whether you are poor, middle class, or rich, it ain't gonna happen. A book of astounding revelations about the present economic order and where we are heading. It ain't gonna happen by a friend of Medjugorje. To order, visit medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com, or call Caritas in the U.S. 205-672-2000. 205-672-2000.
why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. Ladies and gentlemen, so the summation of this article, Finland, Belgium, Denmark, Netherlands, Norway, Sweden, all join in this mechanism for trade with Iran. What is it called? INSTEX or I-N-S-D or T-E-X, I-N-S-T-E-X, INSTEX. Uh, and you got to know about it because I'm telling you, the dollar is going to eventually be replaced. And when it is, it ain't going to be a fun picnic. I'll tell you that right now. Beware. We'll keep an eye on that ball just for you as things uh, evolve. But it is morally wrong for the U.S. to demand other nations use our fake money. It's absolutely not only a constitutional violation internally and externally by the United States, but we're literally forcing that violation of honesty and honest weights and measures for the whole world by that mandate. I mean, it is criminal, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's go to Kentucky, Rand Paul country, sir. <laughs> the uh, Supreme Court of Kentucky made a, a good decision, but in doing so, they really said the wrong things and, and ignored the real issue. What am I talking about? Well, in 2012, someone from the Gay and Lesbian Services Organization, abbreviated GLSO, this is a group in Lexington, they contacted a, little, a private company named Hands-On Originals, uh, so H-O-O, hands-on originals, about printing T-shirts for an upcoming gay pride festival. Well, hands-on originals, a small company, is owned by a fellow named Blaine Adamson, and he chose not to print those T-shirts because he didn't believe in supporting gay lesbian organizations. Well, so the GLSO, they filed a complaint with the Lexington-Fayette County Human Rights Commission and the commission granted summary judgment to GLSO and ordered hands-on originals to participate in mandatory diversity training to be conducted by the commission. Can you believe that? Well, hands-on originals appealed to the Fayette Circuit Court, and that court reversed the decision of the commission. So that's the first right thing that happened, okay? Well, the first right thing was Blaine Adamson chose not to to, to, to make t-shirts. He had the right to do that. He's a private business owner. He could choose whether or not he was going to serve the customer. And uh, he made the decision. All right. So the GLSO won the battle at the, at the commission level, but the hands-on original won the battle at the circuit court level. And then the Kentucky Court of Appeals, they affirmed 
the circuit court decision in 2017. That was a good development. And then the Kentucky Supreme Court affirmed, again, the decision of the circuit court in 2019, just this year. So that was a good thing. But the Supreme Court of Kentucky ignored the real issue. Just listen to the very first sentence of its decision. Quote, the ability of federal, state, and local governments to protect individuals from discrimination by places of public accommodation is beyond question. End of quote. Wow. See, the real issue, Sam, is simply this. Business owners should have the right to discriminate. And that is an absolute right. We're taught to choose the right here in this state especially, Sam. Let the consequences follow, right? Choosing necessarily involves discriminating. That's what you do when you choose between one thing and another. You're discriminating between one thing and another. Now, I'm not here to tell you that we should discriminate against a person because of their color or, you know, gender or whatever, but we should discriminate among people based on, you know, our choices. Now, let me explain something that's critical in this discussion. Just because we are saying that people should have the right to discriminate and choose as they will, that doesn't mean that we are giving anybody the right to persecute. Right. Okay? So I don't think that this um, T-shirt company has the right to abuse these gay or lesbians in any way or to treat them any less than kind. But I do believe they have the right with their own talents, with their own machinery, with their own equipment, with their own... Uh, know how with their own uh, uh, talents and they have every right to say i don't want to participate in that thank you very much have a nice day Uh, and so that's where we draw the line they should be able to choose where they want to go to buy t-shirts but the t-shirt makers or whatever in this case should be able to choose i don't want to make that for you i don't don't want to bake a cake for you i don't want to do a t-shirt for you I don't want blind people to come in my restaurant you know what blind people uh, get food all over i don't know whatever you want to say um now i don't really even endorse the behavior to treat people that way but people should have the right what they don't have the right to do those cross the line and violate the rights of others my rights end where yours begin is is how they usually kind of summarize that reality we need to understand that one does not mean the other and in our society they want you to believe that if you have your own views um, and you want to discriminate because you feel like i don't want to participate in some behavior or endorse or whatever this behavior somehow that amounts to the hate that's where the lie starts okay and that's you, why uh, people are so against it kurt when you make a choice are you discriminating yes that's the whole point any choice you make discriminates against the opposite choice right for example the pro-death folks who claim they're pro-choice discriminate against the unborn all the time they murder them it's pretty discriminatory there lol well you know, as i read the story i thought about kurt's business i mean uh, kurt has a, a marvelous business. He, you know, uh, call it, it's a it's a, a copy business. It's um, and and I was just wondering, Kurt. And in fact, the same question goes for you too, Sam, because you own uh, a radio, uh, you know, uh, network. And so, have you ever been approached by somebody, Kurt? You know, wanting to, you know, make copies or flyers or media material uh, promoting gay rights, lesbian rights. Uh, have you ever been approached, Sam, by someone wanting to air a commercial promoting the Gay Pride Festival or something like that? I mean, have you ever uh, encountered that decision? Yeah, Kurt, know? first, then I'll go. Good, Great questions. Fair, honest, open questions. Kurt? Well, I haven't personally simply because um, 
you know, um, at least in the printing world, we don't uh, advertise that kind of thing. And then we uh, take uh, clients from people that, uh, you know, I guess you could say they're recommended to us. So then we haven't had that. But I know of Sam's uh, situation. Yeah, where they're coming to you, though, case. Kurt. They're coming to a print yeah. shop. That you own, my friend. Um, yes, I have. I had some gay and lesbians want to buy my radio station one time, and they offered me $250,000 for it, and I turned them down, sold it to a Christian group for one hundred and eighty-seven grand. Uh, some would say I was very, very stupid. I just lost like $65,000 in the transaction. But I felt good about my decision, and I go to sleep at night, and I did discriminate. Uh, it's not that I hate them. They're free to go buy any radio station they want to, but I'm also free to choose who I want to sell to uh, in that case. And I didn't want them to perpetuate an agenda, which I'm opposed to. Um, I've also had gay and lesbian groups try to uh, run radio commercials. I've also had people that are peddling alcohol try to run commercials, uh, promote Planned Parenthood and abortion and everything else. And I turned down every one of those commercials. And I'm proud to stand up and say that I do that intentionally because I do not agree with their viewpoints or philosophies. And I will not use my talents, my capabilities, and or my private property uh, to perpetuate those things. I just will not do it. If you want to take me to court, by all means, go right ahead. If you shut down my business, I'll just start a different business. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I'm just not willing to do those things, Lol. Yeah, I, you guys are awesome. I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the example that you are setting in the private business world, the business community, the marketplace, so to speak. And we're talking about it. I wanted to highlight that because you guys are an example, and we had a lot of people listening. And we want to strengthen the courage, right, and reinforce the courage that all of good people should have in making the decision. You don't have to bend. You don't have to sell to somebody you don't agree with. It's up to you as a private business owner. You have the right to refuse service to anyone, right? I mean, no, I would have never... you seen those signs, Lowell, that says uh, no shirt, no <laughs> shoes, no service? I mean, uh, somebody without a shirt, somebody without shoes got to be going to court, baby. <laughs> well, see, those kind of people never do. It's only the extremists that have a, a, a you know, an agenda they want to force on the rest of us that becomes the issue. Uh, and I will say this, though, to be clear. We don't want to persecute those folks. We don't want to be mean or unkind to them. We just want to politely say, you know what, what we will do and what we won't do and why. And we have our rights to our beliefs and our decisions and our actions just as they do. Uh, and if the gay company doesn't want to make a shirt for me because I'm straight, let's say I have a shirt that says one man, one woman marriages, baby, got to love them. And that's my shirt. And the gays don't want to print that shirt. They have every right to not print that shirt. Yeah, I'll go to a company that will print it. That's all. I won't sue. I won't go crazy. I'll say they have every rights I have. So let's not play games and say that I'm discriminatory on, on our God-given unalienable rights. I think it cuts both ways equally and fairly and honestly. And we need to be willing to stand on those principles. That's all. Yeah, totally agree, Sam. Well, all right. There you have it. And if I'm going to create a commercial for somebody, I have every right to deny whatever commercials I don't want to produce. Yeah. That's just that simple, and I'm not, and I'm I'm going to stand on that. And I don't care if you sue me and shut down my company. I'm a pretty scrappy sucker. The FCC and the IRS and the FDA or the USDA all attacked me at the same time before. I've been through this crap, and I'm telling you right now, I'm not giving up. And I may have greater or smaller reach based on my decisions. I get all that, but I also get that I'm just going to be able to do what I need to do to sleep at night and stand on the principles that I hold dear. I'll be as very, I'll do my very best to be as kind to everyone as I can, but I will not be forced. Let me say that again. Forced to do their bidding. I won't do it. All right. Virginia is kind of whacked out just like Kentucky, but in a different way, lol. <laughs> well, 
I, I threw this story in, Sam, because we, we it's time for us to open our eyes, uh, folks. <laughs> State legislators around the country are filing bills right now that um, might be similar to this uh, this bill being, that, that, that was filed in Virginia. So Virginia, now run by people who support infanticide and child murder, by the way, is they're going to consider a bill, SB 64, in their 2020 legislative session that begins on January 8th, right? That's just next month. That's a month from now. This law, Sam, would instantly transform all martial arts instructors into criminal felons. This includes instructors who teach kickboxing, BJJ, which I'm not sure what that is, Krav Maga, which I'm not sure what that is, uh, boxing, and even Capoeira. Capoeira. I'm not sure what that is. It also criminalizes firearms training classes, including concealed carry classes. It would even criminalize a father teaching his own son how to use a hunting rifle. Specifically, the law says that a person is guilty of unlawful paramilitary activity, which is a class 5 felony, if that person assembles with one or more persons for the purpose of training with, practicing with, or being instructed in the use of any firearm, explosive, or incendiary device, or technique capable of causing injury or death to persons. Wow. The phrase technique, technique capable of causing injury or death to persons covers all forms of martial arts and self-defense training, including Krav Maga, BJJ, boxing, and other contact martial arts such as Taekwondo or Tai Chi. Well, so under the proposed law, all forms of self-defense training, including hand-to-hand martial arts training, would be considered paramilitary activity. It's incredible, even if the class involves just one instructor or one student. This is crazy, folks. These kinds of laws are probably being proposed in your state, too. So, get your reading glasses on and get ready to kill a bunch of bad bills in 2020. Amen to that. Unless the good guys stand up, evil prospers, my friend. And that's what we've been seeing for the last several decades. And until enough of us get involved, you're going to see more of the same, ladies and gentlemen. Don't think anything different. Don't blame it on the Constitution, though. Don't blame it on the good guys. Blame it on the reality that not enough people are educated and not enough people have the guts to get involved. By the way, we'll talk about that next hour with Scott, Dr. Scott Bradley. Lowell, thank you so much. He had a couple of extra items. Save those because those are incredible topics, will you? Sure will, Sam. Thanks, you guys. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org. This is Liberty Roundtable Live.